So the Bible tells it to us the way it is, the way it was. And that is important to understand because when you come to Hebrews chapter 11, the writer lists many of the great Bible characters, certainly not all of them, many of the great Bible characters, but he totally omits any negative things about these men and women. And I want you to understand why. When you take the whole picture of scripture, you see total honesty and you see a balanced perspective. Here you certainly see honesty because the Bible is truth. God's word is truth. However, the reason that, that there is nothing negative about these people in this chapter is because our writer has only one purpose in listing these men and women and it is not to give a balanced and a full biographical sketch about him, about them. That's not his purpose. His purpose is to encourage the Hebrew people reading this letter, the original readers, to live by faith like these people did in past years. That's the whole purpose. One of the many evidences of the reliability of the Bible is the transparency of its authors. They confessed, in their writings, all sorts of terrible and foolish things that anyone else would never have mentioned in an autobiography. But it's really encouraging, isn't it, to see these examples of faith boiled down to their essence, especially when they're going through some tough times. Hello and welcome to Verse by Verse. It's a radio Bible class led by pastor teacher Steve Kreloff. For over 25 years, Pastor Steve has been teaching and ministering at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. His clear, practical explanation of God's Word led to the development of Verse by Verse Ministries and this Bible class. Today on Verse by Verse, we are launching into Pastor Steve's first message about the heroes of the faith. It's a three-part message that we hope will encourage you to stand firmly in your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you're wondering just what is faith and how do you apply the truths in this great chapter to your own life? If you have your Bible with you, we'll be working from chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews. Now, here's Pastor Steve with some answers. Several years ago, I purchased a book, a book of biographies about well-known pastors and former pastors and Bible teachers, and the book was called Walking with the Giants. Now, I sometimes kid around saying that the only reason I purchased that book was because I thought it had to do about, with my favorite baseball team, but that is not the case. The real reason that I bought this book is because I just love biographies. I think biographies are the most exciting books written. And the reason I love biographies is because they seem to capture abstract principles and they demonstrate how to live out those principles in very tangible and, and concrete ways. And so I, I love biographies. But you also have to be careful about biographies. And maybe you're not uh, aware of that, but especially Christian biographies, because sometimes uh, writers tend to cover up negative traits. You read uh, some biographies, and as I said, especially Christian biographies, and you wonder if this fellow still had sin in his life or whether this woman still did anything wrong, and they can be very, uh, very discouraging. I recall reading about the famous statesman Oliver Cromwell when he posed for a portrait. The artist asked him to place his hand over a wart, but Cromwell said, no, paint me as I am, warts and all. 
Now, it's this honesty about people that, that make biographies in the Bible so refreshing because the Bible and biblical characters are presented to us as they really, really were with a lot of warts and all. You see their good traits, you see their negative traits. Because the Bible is God's word, we're told the whole truth about men and women. If the Bible was a book written by man and not inspired by, by God, it would attempt to cover up the sins of the people it spoke about. For example, we would never know about David's sin with Bathsheba, and also about her uh, about David's sin with Bathsheba's husband, he made sure that the man was killed in the battle. We would never read about the anger of Moses and the fact that Moses killed a man. We would never read about the lies of Abraham, only about his faith, but never balanced with the lies and schemes of the man. We would never read about Rebecca and her son Jacob scheming to take the, the birthright away from Esau. We would never read about the fear of Elijah. You'd only read about the mountaintop experience, never the fact that uh, he ran away and said, God, take my life. And the man was ready to quit his prophetic ministry. You'd never read about that. We'd never read about uh, the serious denial of Christ by Peter. And that's just to name a few. You'd never read about those things. Never. So the Bible tells it to us the way it is, the way it was. And that is important to understand because when you come to chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews, and I'd like you to open to that passage of Scripture if you have not already, when you come to Hebrews chapter 11, the writer lists many of the great Bible characters, certainly not all of them, many of the great Bible characters, but he totally omits any negative things about these men and women. And I want you to understand why. When you take the whole picture of Scripture, you see total honesty and you see a balanced perspective. Here you certainly see honesty because the Bible is truth. God's Word is truth. However, the reason that, that there is nothing negative about these people in this chapter is because our writer has only one purpose in listing these men and women, and it is not to give a balanced and a full biographical sketch about him about them. That's not his purpose. His purpose is to encourage the Hebrew people reading this letter, the original readers, to live by faith like these people did in past years. That's the whole purpose. What he's doing is he's saying that these men and women are models to you. They demonstrate how to live and walk by faith. You see, these first century Hebrews had suffered for their faith, and we, we saw this a few weeks ago. In chapter 10, verse 25, he said that they are not to forsake their assembling together, as is the habit of some. What he means by that is that not that some had stopped attending church, but some had actually stopped following Jesus Christ. They, they had forsaken him. They had betrayed him. They had been disloyal to him. And he said, let's put a stop to it right now. You are to encourage one another. You are to, to uh, minister to one another. You are to get in there and help one another. So what they needed was faithful perseverance in light of Christ's promise to return in a glorious future with him. They had suffered, and the writer is saying that in light of suffering, don't quit. You need to persevere. Christ is coming soon. And so he says in verse 36, for you have need of endurance. That's what they needed. Perseverance under trial. That's endurance. So that when you have done the will of God, when you have obeyed him and carried out what, what he calls you to do, even though you suffer, you may receive what was promised. In other words, 
This life is not the end. There is a whole future glory waiting for you, and so you need to persevere right now. And then he says in verse 37, For yet in a little while he who is coming will come and will not delay. What he's saying is that Jesus Christ will come. Hang in there. It won't be that long. It will not be eternity. As far as God is concerned, it's only been two days since Christ said he would come again. Because one day is as a thousand years with the Lord. And so he is encouraging them. And then he makes this remarkable statement in verse 38. But my righteous one, and you could add my righteous ones. That's the thought there. My people shall live by faith. As we await Christ's return, how are we to live? By faith. By faith. You say, but what is faith? Well, as you turn to chapter 11, verses 1 through 3, he sort of defines what faith, what faith is. He describes it. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And he, and he speaks of it in verses 1, 2, and 3. We are to live by faith. But how in a very tangible way can I apply that to, to my life and how can you apply it to your life? How can we live by faith in a hostile world that is opposed to the gospel? That's the real issue. You may not be killed for your faith, but you suffer for your faith. If you're living any kind of a consistent Christian life, you've got to suffer for your faith. If you take a stand at school, whether it be a public school, whether it be a Christian school, you will suffer for your faith. If you take a stand at work, if you take a stand for many of us even at home, uh, for some people just with their relatives, for others just with their friends, you will suffer in some way. How do you walk by faith when you're suffering for that faith? So, our writer's going to tell us, because beginning with verse 4, we're given a list of the heroes of faith. These are the men and women who are a cloud of witnesses to us. In fact, if you'll turn over to chapter 12, verse 1, he says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses, and he's referring to these men and women, surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which, is so, which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. These are the people who witness to us. They are a cloud of witnesses. They are not watching us. That's not what he's saying. But they are a cloud of witnesses to us that it can be done. They witness to us that they have gone before us and it can be accomplished. And they also motivate us to run the race to the finish line. You may not be fast. You may not be real quick. In running terms, you may not have what they call fast twitch muscles. Ask me about it later. But you can endure, and you will endure, and that is the message of Hebrews chapter 11. These men and women have a lesson to teach us. And this morning, we're going to learn three lessons about faith. Three individuals teach us three lessons. Now, these three individuals lived before the flood, so we'll call them pre-flood individuals. We're going to learn from Abel, we're going to learn a lesson about faith from Enoch, and from Noah. Each of these men, I might add, lived in a corrupt world that rebelled against God. None of them had it easy. None of them lived in a world in which uh, everybody believed. And yet they all lived by faith, and you can too. We'll hear more in a minute about Abel and why he is such a great example of faith. Let's take a short break now to welcome those who have just tuned in. You're listening to Verse by Verse, a Bible class of the air led by pastor teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve has been serving since 1981 at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you're ever in the Clearwater area on a Sunday morning, we'd love to meet you. 
Lakeside is located at 1893 Sunset Point Road, midway between US-19 and the beach. Please stay around after the service and introduce yourself to Pastor Steve. I'm sure that he would be encouraged. If you missed the start of our class, keep listening. At the end of the program, I'll be telling you how to hear it again online or how you can order a CD or tape. We are studying faith at the moment, and Pastor Steve is going to tell us about some of the great examples given in Hebrews chapter 11. He will also show us how we can apply what we learn from their lives to our own lives. Now, let's go back to class and prepare to hear what the life of Abel can teach us about our lives and our relationship with God. So let's learn from Abel. And the first lesson we learn about faith from Abel is that faith is obedience. Faith is obedience. We begin by looking at verse 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous, God testifying about his gifts and through faith. Though he's dead, he still speaks. Now, the first hero of faith was Abel. That was Adam and Eve's second son, the first son being Cain. And the background of this verse is found in Genesis chapter 4. So let's turn there. Genesis chapter 4. All of these men and women mentioned in Hebrews 11 are also mentioned in Genesis. That's the background. And of course, these Hebrews would be very familiar with their own ancestors. And certainly the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. Now the man had relations with his wife Eve, and she conceived and gave birth to Cain, and she said, I have gotten a man-child with the help of the Lord. And again she gave birth to his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of flocks, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering for an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. And Abel, on his part, also brought of the firstlings of his flock and their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering. But for Cain and for, uh, Cain and for his offering, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry and his countenance fell. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you, but you must master it. And Cain told Abel his brother, and it came about when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. And the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? And he said, I do, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What have you done? The voice of your blood, of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Now the story is a contrast between two brothers, Cain and Abel, and their offerings brought to God. Cain, a farmer, brought God an offering of his crops. And Abel, a shepherd, brought God a lamb from his flocks. But God accepted Abel's offering, and he rejected Cain's offering. And the question is, why? And I realize that, that there are people who will take a different view than I do, but I'm going to tell you what I think fits the context and what I think is the biblical message. The writer to the Hebrews says that Abel offered a better sacrifice than Cain. But the question really is, what made Abel's offering better than Cain's? Many people believe that Abel's sacrifice was accepted by God because it was a blood sacrifice which speaks of God's way of forgiveness. And they would say that, that God rejected Cain's sacrifice because uh, his sacrifice of crops because this speaks of his own good works as the way to God. 
So they say, Abel went God's way of forgiveness, and Cain said, I'll, I'll use human effort to gain my way into heaven. Now, we want to we keep in mind that neither Genesis nor Hebrews state that blood was the issue. They, they don't state that. It's an interpretation that blood is the issue, but it does not state that. Also, in fact, I think this is important, the emphasis in both Genesis and Hebrews and throughout the scriptures is on the good character of Abel and not the material content of his offering. But it's on his character and, I might also add, on the bad character of Cain and says nothing about the material content of his offering. For example, in Genesis chapter 4, the passage we just read from, notice verse 4, it says, And Abel on his part also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of their fat portions. And watch this. And the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering. In, in other words, God was first pleased with Abel and also his offering. It wasn't that his offering just pleased God. It was the fact that, that Abel pleased God and his offering. So the individual character of the man was something that, that was involved here. In fact, it was, it was a uh, very significant statement. Cain, on the other hand, revealed a poor character, and we read about that. But let's look at it again. I just want you to see this. Genesis chapter 4, verse 5. Notice the character is what is stressed here, not the content. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry and his countenance fell. Something about his character. Angry? Angry with who? Angry with God? Angry with Abel? His countenance fell. Notice verse 7. If you do well, God says, will not your countenance be lifted up? Of course, he's saying you are not doing well. That's why your countenance has fallen. And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. The door of your heart and its desire is for you. Its desire is to master you, Cain. See, there's something wrong with Cain's character that was not wrong with Abel's character. And then notice verse 8. Cain told Abel's brother, it came about when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel's brother and killed him. Killed him. The emphasis in Genesis is not on the content of the sacrifice, but on the character. On the character of these two men. Not only that, but Jesus called Abel, he called him in Matthew 23, verse 35, he called Abel righteous. Jesus didn't speak of the blood sacrifice, he said Abel is righteous, Abel the righteous one. 1 John chapter 3, on the other hand, says something about Cain, and it's not, it's not something positive. 1 John chapter 3, verse 11. For this is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of the evil one, and slew his brother. And for this reason did he and for what reason did he slay him? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Righteous deeds coming from a righteous heart, evil deeds coming from an evil heart. Cain's deeds were evil and his brother's deeds were righteous. Now the writer to the Hebrews is saying basically the very same thing. God received Abel's sacrifice because he offered it by faith. In other words, his heart was right with God. It was right with God. Therefore, he did what was right, and therefore, he offered an animal sacrifice. Now, I believe that the blood sacrifice was important, but... Let me explain to you. Here's where the blood sacrifice comes in. God must have revealed to Cain and Abel what kind of sacrifice he wanted. 
He must have done that. And why do I say that? Because faith is always based upon God's word, always based upon God's revelation. You, you can't have faith if you just do something and it feels good to you. It has to be based on the revelation of God. God had to reveal what he wanted in order for Abel to respond in faith. So Abel's sacrifice was better than Cain's because his offering was a demonstration of his faith, which meant that he was obedient to God and Cain was not. So I don't think the issue was just the blood sacrifice. I think the primary issue here was his heart was right with God. And because his heart was right with God, he offered a blood sacrifice. We know from the rest of, of the scriptures that, that it is not the content that God is interested in the sacrifice. It is the attitude of the heart. Because we know that the blood of bulls and of goats cannot take away sin. However, they were to offer a blood sacrifice because it was the attitude of the heart. That's why Genesis 4 says that God had, re, uh, had regard to Abel and his sacrifice. Cain was disobedient and his offering revealed his heart of rebellion. Now Abel knew what God wanted and he obeyed him. And that's the way of faith. And that's the principle here. If you have faith, you will obey God. You will do what he says. True faith is obedient. One evidence of true faith is a heart that desires to obey God. You cannot say that you love God and you have faith in him, true saving faith, and yet you don't obey him. That's impossible. True saving faith is characterized by obedience. And in fact, this, it's this obedience that demonstrates whether we have faith or not. In fact, as we turn back to Hebrews chapter 11, we look at verse 4 again. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained, watch this, the testimony that he was righteous. In other words, Abel's faith made him righteous in God's sight, even though he was a sinner, and therefore he proved he had genuine faith by his obedience in offering a sacrifice God told him to bring. So what we're saying is somewhere along the, the time of Abel's life, he came to believe in the one true God. He came to genuinely put his trust in the Lord. And because he trusted the Lord, and I don't know all that God revealed to him, I don't know all the details, but because he was a genuine believer, therefore he trusted God and obeyed God on other issues. So he was a true believer. He was a sinner like us, but God credited his account with righteousness, just the same thing that he does to us when we truly put our trust in Jesus Christ alone for our salvation. I'm sure you're familiar with that old saying, actions speak louder than words. As we have just seen, Abel's actions spoke loudly and clearly about his faith. And we will see more examples of that principle in the coming days. I hope you will be able to follow along. If you do miss a program or you just want to hear it again, we suggest you visit our website, versebyverseradio.org. You can listen online to today's program, download it with a right click of your mouse for later listening, or sign up for our free podcasting service. There is also a link on the site that will make archives of previous programs available to you. While you're there, perhaps you'd like to subscribe to our complimentary newsletter. All that and more can be found at versebyverseradio.org. Because we have a 25-minute time slot and Pastor Steve's messages are usually 45 to 55 minutes long, it is necessary to split them up for broadcasting. 
but sometimes it's nice to hear the entire message at one sitting without interruptions. We have audio CDs and cassettes available for that very reason. You can order one by calling us at 727-239-0306. Leave your name and a number and we'll return your call during weekday office hours. That number again, 727-239-0306. There is a nominal charge for these materials. Verse by Verse is a production of Verse by Verse Ministries in Clearwater, Florida. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff has been teaching at Lakewood Community Chapel in Clearwater for over 25 years. And this radio ministry is a way for us to make his clear, expository teaching available to a larger audience. Verse by Verse Ministries is a faith ministry which depends on the prayers and gifts of interested listeners who have first been supportive of their local church. Please join us again for our next Verse by Verse Radio Bible Class for the continuation of Pastor Steve's lessons from the faith chapter, Hebrews chapter 11. We'll see you then.